everyone, and welcome to Something in the Crumb. Today we have such an exciting guest with us. Um, we have Fatima Al Talib, who is someone that I think I'll, you know, like. Fatima is the smartest person that I've ever encountered. I think she's the greatest of all time. I tell this to everyone. No pressure, Fatima. But um, sure. <laughs> Fatima is here to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So it's a throwback episode. Um, oh, but I should also say I am Unsung Kim and... I'm Kim Wen. And, and then this is Fatima. Um, (laughs) so we wanted to, we did an episode, an earlier episode on Roswell, and we wanted to kind of continue, um, this trend of looking back on the television shows that we loved while growing up or that we watched growing up. And then just think about how they pertain to us, even in this moment or, um, what we liked so much about them. So maybe that's like how we can sort of begin is... Or in the case of Roswell, how much we don't understand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How traumatizing it was to like rewatch it to be like, what kind of brainwashing program did we encounter in our early teens? Um, Yeah, but we can confirm dictators are everywhere. (laughs) The authoritarian personality was alive and well when we were teens and it's alive and well now. Fatima, do you know this show, Roswell? It was out... I've heard about it, but I never watched an episode. Yeah, it was out around the same time as Buffy. So the reason we're saying all of this is we recorded a whole podcast episode about how mortified we <laughs> I were. Know, I know. I listened to it. I know. I we were... I your podcast. Oh, no. Oh, Fatima. Fatima. <laughs> um, no, I, I, like, I still think about it. Like, now when I see, like, Max's face, and I think his name is his name is like James Bear. Like if I see his face anywhere, I'm like, oh, like you're like an oppressive man that I had a crush on when I was 16. Like such a betrayal of like everything I am right now. How often are you seeing his face? <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's like not that famous anymore. Actually, he's officially <laughs> retired. It's like, sorry, Jason, James, whatever. Oh, yeah, name. it's Jason exactly. Bear. It's Jason Bear. You're right. You're right. You don't even know. I don't know her. <laughs> okay, so with that being said, I think Buffy is a little bit different than Roswell. So, yeah, Fatima, when did you, like, start watching Buffy? And why, why, were, you so, why were you attracted to this particular show? I actually don't remember exactly. I have like an endless amount of Buffy knowledge, but I don't remember. Like my little sister was into it way before me, but I didn't listen to her. And I remember I was living in the Netherlands and I was watching this other show, My So-Called Life. And then it was suddenly canceled and I was about to watch it and Buffy was on and I was so pissed off. I was like, oh my God, a really smart show was replaced in another dumb show about some stupid blonde teenager but was it so my like so-called life starts before i actually got into it yeah but my so-called life was also about a girl who's blonde right? nah, she was blonde she had dyed hair oh okay sorry. i think she's sorry OG blonde, sorry really i'm so right. sorry you guys <laughs> it was more like you know it was 
a pretty self-conscious quote. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was good. Okay, okay. Yeah. My so-called wife, she was like, Sad, you know. Oh. She was sad. She was like L'Orealing her hair, or whatever. <laughs> like she was. It was a lot of emotions, a lot of teen realism, you could say. Um, Buffy was supernatural. Very different vibe. Okay. Well, but when I was rewatching season three, now I I had forgotten how sad it is. It's like so sad. <laughs> Everybody is so lost and oh. Yeah. I feel for these characters about you. <laughs> um, yeah, so after you after my so-called life, you you didn't watch Buffy right away, but then you eventually got into it. Yeah, yeah. Um and I I don't really remember. I, I think I got into it just because of um There was some. There was this this website um, that had all kinds of clips of like lesbians in films or TV um, shows, and at that point, it was just like you know, it was all manageable. It was not a lot, and there was a lot about Willow and Tara from Buffy, and then I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should watch that again. Interesting. And then I got totally. I watched it, and then um, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, in two thousand three. And it was like the Iraq War started, and I was in Tennessee, and it was about the elections again, and Bush got reelected. And I just, I don't know, I just like obsessively watched Buffy to distract myself. <clears throat> accurate. That is an accurate depiction of the ele election cycles in the U.S. in particular, I think. And like the endless wars in particular. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm watching Legends of Tomorrow. To distract myself from yeah. the week. I do. I mean, I think that those parallels, though, about um, you know what's happening culturally and socially and like politically, and how that definitely feeds into the kind of television that comes to prominence during a particular time. Um, and you know, I think like so much about Buffy is like there's a lot about mythology and a lot about you know legends and kind of um, all these sorts of supernatural somewhat escapist things even though they're kind of terrifying when you mm -hmm. actually witness them but I think that it actually is a lot about like the fears and fantasies of our society as well and I think that that maybe plays into it too so there's like a lot of um, you know even just like the very trope of like the demon you know and this kind of um, existing in this like everywhere or anywhere USA kind of place and that these kinds of like evil forces you know are kind of surrounding surrounding this place and that we're like our fears are that they're actually going to come and like puncture our you know idyllic kinds of fantasies about where we live and how we live somehow um <laughs> and the only answer is to just you know take take matters into your own hands <laughs> Yeah, and it's also like all the grown-ups are in denial, right? All these demons are there and everybody pretends everything is fine and it's the teenagers who actually can't keep that lie going. Which is like, it did actually dawn on me, I think a few years ago, that there is a weird consistency of films um, or storylines where like adults are either in denial and like gaslighting teenagers 
or just actively trying to murder teenagers like that's, that's like hunger games and i think there was another film where essentially like teenagers and children had like supernatural powers so like all the adults like rounded them up and put them in a camp and then like killed them and it, and then they had to like fight back. Do you know which one I'm talking about? It was like Is that the one that was like the Hunger Games knockoff? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, how many more films? I mean, this is like you this isn't even like a subtle portrayal of fascism anymore. It's just like literally like the adults, the old people like want to suppress anything, any kind of emergent energy is sort of how I was thinking about oh, it. Oh, divergent. That's divergent. What it, was <laughs> it was called divergent. Do you know what we're talking about, Majima? Did you watch Divergent? Yeah, but- I haven't seen it, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not good. Divergent, Divergent was not very good. And then they had, like, two other... There was, like... It was a trilogy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, Mandy Moore is, like, randomly in it as, like, one of the few adults that don't want to kill children. It's, like, a very ra- random, random plot line. But I watched it on the plane. And when I was on the plane, I was like, wow, how many more adults want to kill like or just kind of suppress emergent energy or are just not helpful to the future like storylines are we going to get um it's that 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 anxiety seems so present okay so with that being said um i first learned about fatima's lover buffy because fatima was thinking about teaching a buffy class which i would have loved to take as an undergrad or a grad student um, so, like, can you tell us more about what this class would have been like and what kinds of readings you would have assigned in this class? Uh, not really, because I haven't thought about it for quite a bit. But, um, you know, there's this whole field of Buffy studies, right? That's very serious. And I, I don't know, I, I never could get into it, so... I guess I wouldn't show it with um, with Buffy studies. Um, Why weren't you into Buffy studies? I don't know. I feel like it's almost kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> we don't disagree. I mean, that says a lot. It says a lot if you're basically like the number one Buffy fan and you're like too boring. <laughs> well, well I, like, I don't know the- if I if I need like a bunch of academics writing, you know, deep analysis of Buffy. But the the few things that I did notice about Buffy studies is like, it's it doesn't, it seems to be about how the show hired academics to do things. Um, like the, the one that I remember is, there's an episode, I think, I think it's in the fourth season, like it's called Restless, where um Tara has like a dream about Willow because she thinks like their relationship is like on the rocks and like in the dream Willow is like laying down and her back is has there's like a poem or some kind of writing on the back do you remember this scene yeah 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 do you know about this that like if you like look it up there's like so many classic and um Buffy scholars that have written about how like the poem is like a Sappho poem. And so like the show really thought about like, you know, like lesbian yeah. poetry. And like and then I saw this one blog post and this was a while ago. So, you know, I'll try to find it and like link it in our, our podcast. The the scholar was most excited that it wasn't like Sappho poem 
via Google Translate, like they actually got the letters right. And like, it wasn't like backwards, essentially, like whoever wrote it on Willow's back did a good, good job, essentially, like did a good job writing the Greek. And so that's what they were so obsessed with. And I was like, but that means like that that's not the thing that I was so like, that's not the thing that I'm excited about in the show that they hired academics to write on people's backs, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. I feel like Buffy studies is a lot about pointing out that Buffy might seem trashy, but it's really very deep and, you know, yeah, whatever it is. But that's also what I don't find that interesting about it. Yeah. And I generally like more trashy TV, so I don't, I feel a number of academics probably needed that to allow themselves to be public, public Buffy fans. <clears throat> yeah, they're like, see, they hired this one academic or grad student or who someone to do this like thing so like now we can like read the Sappho poem via Buffy when it's like no no I think this is related though to this constant um feeling or expectation that we have to like always legitimize television or something as if it's like always not it's like it's just it's not film and it's not cinema and that we have to legitimize it in some kind of way by saying like oh well yes like they've done the scholarship you know like they've done all this work or like it's actually very serious it's a very complex show and and you know and it's and it's like sure it can be but also it doesn't have to be and it's fine you know and i think as people who are supporters and lovers of television <laughs> like i i think that it's always this kind of exhausting thing where you it's as if you, you constantly have to explain or like validate it in some kind of way as if, um, which includes, you know, uh, your own reason or justification for why you like television, as opposed to being like, I only watch like whatever criterion on or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's totally true. Um, so the season that we sort of focused on to for this episode was season three and we're like kind of thinking about the last episode in particular and um without bringing in the scholarly when i was an undergrad chandan reddy did point out to me i think i was like i was always into buffy as a high school student but in undergrad i was like so looking forward to it i think i bought like all of the box sets and like watched them. Box sets were expensive then. Too. I know. So it was quite an, it was an investment. Uh-huh. And I didn't have like a TV. So I just like watched Buffy by myself in my little studio apartment. And I think I actually I can't remember if I wanted to like write a paper or if I just like wanted to talk about it with Chundan in office hours, which I'm sorry, Chundan. Now I understand like that is inappropriate. <laughs> That's inappropriate. I apologize. <laughs> um, but he did mention to me that um, he said in passing something that I've like thought a lot about over the years that, you know, you can really read Buffy as like, like a figure of racialized labor in the US in particular, um, someone who performs labor that cannot be acknowledged but is necessary for society to exist as it is so and i like didn't really understand um because he actually called her like asian american he was like she's basically like an asian american character and i like felt too scared and shy to ask him like what that meant and then i like 
visited him like three years later to be like, I still don't understand. <laughs> like, and he was like, no, like, you know, thinking about like racialized like immigrant labor in particular. Um, so I have thought about that because when I watch the show again, because like she's supposed to be this character who part of like the agenda is that no one can really know what she does, but she feels this obligation to do what she does so that like, demons don't take over the world or something. What do you think, Fatima? Uh, yeah. She doesn't buy it. She doesn't buy it. <laughs> You can read it like that. I, I, I don't think that was the intention. I think Buffy yeah. is smart in many ways, but it's really stupid on in terms of race. Um, and I'm, I'm, well, season three is kind of the exception, right? Because there's this one episode, I think it's the prom, where suddenly she gets all this public recognition, right? Where she, as usual, feels kind of sad and... and burdened by you know this heavy load she has to carry and that she can't really share and then all her fellow students are like oh we want to give you this prize because we don't really talk about it but we know that you are the one who keeps everything going and i feel like yeah mm, i mean it is about this thing about having to do this work without really getting the public recognition um but at the same time she's also just in the way the show is, is structured, getting a lot of recognition and a lot of plot lines that I don't really think go with that. Um, I mean, the racialized labor is, is one reading, but I don't think it's, it's really consistent with a lot of the other levels of the, of the storytelling. So then what would be, what, what would be like a framework that you would use? scholarly or non-scholarly you know just like because when I type in Buffy the first thing that the internet thinks I'm looking for is like female empowerment like that was like what <laughs> immediately popped up that's not how I necessarily thought about it but like what how have you been thinking about it Fatima well um maybe female empowerment in the sense that one of the things I really liked about Buffy was that it was and I think still is one of the really very few shows that center on friendship, that have a central female character and what it's mostly about, you know, despite Angel, um, <laughs> is friendship and not love. Like all the other shows, like Dark Angel, for example, yeah, um, which actually had a, a, a woman of color as a central character, but the show very, very quickly moved into like the, usually those shows have like, the main character and then there are two friends or so who are the sidekicks and who establish her and then it switches to the love interest and then that's the focus and that's how it was in Dark Angel and it got really boring but it never really happened in in Buffy so um, I think that was something that was really unusual this focus on friendship mm -hmm. and uh, yeah I don't I mean it's in some ways, even though it's fantastical, it's, it's a lot more realistic than many other shows about how sucky life is for girls, right? That's almost constantly the theme, and it would be overwhelming if she were just a hero, right? <laughs> but yeah, as I said, it's so, like, I was kind of shocked about how sad, sad, um, that, that is... season at least is. And I think most seasons, actually. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I think that they really weave that in, though. You know, the the kind of um, realistic but banal and equally anxiety-inducing parts of, like, teenage existence, you know? Like, it's like we're watching an episode about prom or, you know, they date, they have friendships that are in conflict with each other and then they um, rebuild, you know? Like, I think there's a lot of things that feel very true to relations from that time and then you just also have a bunch of demons that are kind of mixed in with that in some way. I do think that, like, you know, Buffy is both, like, she does get a lot of acknowledgement, you know, and, and, like, a lot of things are centered around her and her decisions and that, you know, things are really dependent on her. But then at the same time, she's burdened with that, you know, where they also, you know, say that she's selfish or, like, you know, they kind of position her in this kind of way that she's the most important person, but then she's also really selfish because she demands so much of their attention or something. Um, which seems like a very gendered position. No, I think you're right that like the show is so much about how much it sucks being a girl, not just a teenage girl, just like how much gendered labor, um, but just being a girl sucks. And that maybe if she weren't a superhero, because part of like the plot premise is that someone can hit her and she doesn't bruise. And she can, like, hit them back or something. Like, she's, like, a very physical character. And I think without that, it, it would be. I mean, like, the men in her life, even, like, her love interests, like, she she fights them. You know, like, there are lots of scenes where it's, it was hard for me, actually, to, for me to really think of this as love, oftentimes. Um, or maybe just, like, a romanticized understanding of love. Because there were so many scenes like, doesn't she meet Angel by fighting him? And then, like, she also fights him kind of again and again. And then I think when she once appeared on Angel, the spinoff show, she's also fighting him. Like, yeah, because he, he turns evil at a certain point again. And then, but that's, like, not then, a metaphor. And she, like, kills him, kind <laughs> of, right? Like, like I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, your relationship is complex. But also, the age difference is, like, bananas. It's just, it's very similar to Roswell where you have a teenage girl and like a million year old boyfriend <laughs> and you know maybe the only thing that keeps this girl safe is that she doesn't bruise very easily because she wakes up the next day and she's like great hair great eyeliner no bruises but yeah but on the outside right that's the thing because on the inside she's very bruised oh yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think you're right that like, especially growing up, there aren't very many shows about friendships, given how many shows there are about women and girls. Uh, now that I think about it, I can't really name any. Dawson's Creek, I guess. It's kind of about friendship, sort of, um, but not exclusively. Oh, but speaking of friendship, this is what I wanted to ask. What did you make of the other Slayer? Both like the other Slayer, the one black Slayer who eventually dies. And then, Catherine. yeah. And then Faye, was that her name? Faith. 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 Yeah. What did you make of both of them and like their relationship slash friendship? 
I mean, Kendra was like terrible. I mean, seriously. I mean, the setup clearly she was like the traditional Slayer, right? Very obedient, very much growing up in in a authoritarian system and internalizing everything. But um, she was just such a caricature. Uh, I think she and then Mr. Trick the Vampire in season three and the principal in season seven were the only black characters they ever had. I don't know if they had any other characters of color, not that I can remember. I know. Kim, um, Kim made a comment like, if you think of Buffy and her friends, it's like the white, it's like the, <laughs> it's basically a white it's like, show. it's like a white anti-fascist like <laughs> gang. It's like Portland rising up. Like, <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you were saying Majima. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, but another thing is that the the um, the gang was actually it was most it was more women than men, so it was mm-hmm. a show with central female characters and about friendship, which is which is even more unusual. And Faze, I don't know, Faze is also like a super cliche. Um, and Faze, I think, would be a more obviously racialized character. But I don't know. I love Faith. I think she's awesome. I love Faith. I love Faith so much. Faith was my favorite. And I was really sad that, like, I was, like, always hoping for more Faith. And I liked Faith so much. I even watched that Dollhouse show. Did you guys watch Dollhouse? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Kim, Kim, you're missing out on great trash TV, okay? Like, Dollhouse no, was amazing. She a show called True Calling or something. Yeah. Yeah, also, also bad. watched that, but Dollhouse. Oh, I watch plenty of trash TV. <laughs> don't you worry. <laughs> um, Dollhouse was like a show where like people could rent people, like a system where like it was like you basically could you were like so indebted that you would then subject your body to be like rented or something. And Faith was like one of those. She was like a character who realized that she was being rented or something. It was a very, it was like very layered. And it was also just Whedon show. Yeah, mm. yeah. But I just thought of her as fake the entire time. I was like, there's yeah. Faith again, you know? Yeah, yeah. Faith so, is great. I mean, she just, uh, I guess she was as close <laughs> as like, I think we were talking just before we started recording about um, how it's not an anarchist show. It's closer to a white militia show. <laughs> but Faith is someone that also worked outside of the system or like wants to work outside of the system and doesn't really follow any of the rules or is very reticent to follow these rules. And like that puts her in opposition to Buffy because Buffy is like, you know, as much as she is positioned as being anti-authoritarian, I think also has... She feels like there's like certain right ways to do things, I think, and that's kind of why she gets in opposition with Faith so often. And then Faith kills that guy, right? Accidentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I wanna But yeah, that's also why why I well why I have problems with this whole racialized labor thing because Buffy, Buffy in some ways has this white privilege that allows her to believe in the system. Always. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Um, I want to know why you like Faith Fatima, um, but I also want to say because we're watching the scene where like you see like the two guys who do the weird things like they try to create a Buffy bot and different things like that, and I was like, oh my god, this is almost like they were like 
preliminary incel characters or something. Totally. I mean, oh, yeah. Xander was like always on the verge of being an incel character. I think. <laughs> oh, you know what's so funny though is that people often say that Xander is basically Joss Whedon's like surrogate characters. They're like no. Joss Whedon is an incel. No. Wait. People really say that. Yeah, I like Ben Xander is kind of like his one-to-one or like his voice sort of on the show or something. Um, yeah, because like it really, the, the two guys who do, who are just inappropriate the entire seven seasons, like I feel like they only appear to like mess everything up or like, they're like, do they at some point just like have money? Like they just have resources to do things like build robots and like, they tried to like resuscitate their brother back to life, right? Like they're like consistently, you know, they're not just unhelpful. They um, become like another obstacle in like these women's lives, like by doing things that are actually harmful to them. Yeah, they. Oh, Warren, right? Warren. Warren, yes. I was like, there was like a blonde one. <laughs> Warren and Andrew, and wasn't Jonathan also part of yes, it? Yes, yes, that's right. Because yeah. they just like would appear throughout. I mean, this was also something I think that um, Buffy borrows a lot from comic books, you know, where there's a lot of these like smaller arcs and then there's like these larger arcs that kind of play out, um, yeah. whether it's like through the whole season or even like multi-year. And these these little bebe incels were like for sure one of those like larger arcs. So they keep appearing in these True, other seasons. Yeah. And then suddenly one season, they're the big bad that mm-hmm. year. And it's like, oh my God. And um, yeah, and then they build all these robots. They're just like, I don't know, creepy basement guys or whatever. Yeah, but like, yeah, totally. but like, but like, it is really interesting that they become the big bad because it's like, there's yeah. demons and then there's incels, right? Like, and then there's like a principal who like makes a, some kind of, I don't know, contract or like, teams up with the demons, right? So it's like authority figures in some like you're like, they, they have a contract. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know what to call it. What, what would you like, call it? what demons do? They're like, I'll get you the contract. Well, I'll countersign here. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they're like, we don't need your blood. We just need your signature on this like Adobe forum. <laughs> Please use your seal. <laughs> We'll get it notarized. <laughs> but then, like, um, Willow does it. Like, Willow dates someone who, I, at the beginning, I guess it was, like, unclear for me whether or not he was going to, if he was, like, actually a member of their grouping, but he ends up being a band member. You mean Oz? Yes, Oz. Oh, I love how oh, you know all of their names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was, like, Faye. Um, yeah, Johnny Bear, <laughs> J- J- James Bear. Uh, okay, but returning back to Faith, um, why did you both like her so much? Well, I like her because, as you know, I kind of like angry, borderline, sociopathic, murderous <laughs> women. And That's why you're on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't deeply analyzed it, but yeah, that's definitely a type a type that I have for TV shows and movies. Yeah, you can say our type. 
it's a it's a we in the preference. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we love a rage girl. We <laughs> love a rage girl. <laughs> Why do we have to watch television to have someone be, like, obedient and kind? Like, that's bullshit. Life is miserable enough as it is. We're only interested in treacherous daughters. <laughs> um, yeah, I really wanted more more faith, actually. And I thought it was, like, sad how she kind of appeared and then they gave her that storyline of murdering a human and then feeling really sad about that. I also feel bad that they, like, she had to be on the Angel spinoff and not have her own spinoff. Yeah. That was disappointing. That's true. That would have been great. But yeah, she wasn't sad, though, that she killed that guy. That was, that I liked that, that her, like, redemption arc was very, very drawn out and just happened on season whatever on Angel. Mm -hmm. But she was just, she was just angry. Okay, which brings us to, um, in the Scooby game, you have, you know, you have Willow, which we should talk about Willow, but you also have Cordelia, and I need your Cordelia thoughts, because if anyone was going to be a a lesbian, I was sort of hoping that, like, that would be Cordelia's arc, but that ended up not being her arc, Um, and then Angel, I want all of your thoughts on those three characters. Well, first tell me why you thought that Cordelia would be a lesbian. Well, I mean, I it makes a lot of sense that Willow, they put Willow, like, in that kind of, they, they moved her towards witch first, and then they were like, and she's a lesbian. But I guess I was sort of thinking it would have been really, like, Cordelia at, in the show just kind of presented as a, as a hard femme, maybe. And like, I wanted, I thought that that would be the most interesting arc for her. That was maybe just my preference. Um, But, you know, they just put her with Angel, which I was like, God, Hollywood shows are so weird. Like everyone just ends up dating each other over like, if if it becomes too long, like it's kind of a disaster because they can't like bring in new characters, it seems like. Like they have to just like date each other and then, and then get canceled or something. But not that different than dating on the apps i guess (laughs) yeah so but what'd you make of cordelia fatima and kim i mean i don't i mean i didn't really like cordelia tbh (laughs) she's Um, unlikable yeah i the whole xander romance was just so disinterested it that was like not- really, you know, it just like really confirms you're like, heterosexuality is sad. Like, this is what this is. You have Cordelia and she dates Xander. Like, okay. Like, and also, we get it, Joss Whedon. Like, this also confirms maybe you're like, inner incel tendencies. That if this is your like surrogate character that ends up with Cordelia, mm. I understand. Ah, that makes more sense. Yeah, I kind of like Cordelia. I like that she was not really a likable character, but still, you know, fairly layered. But this this Sanders thing is complete nonsense, I agree. <laughs> that was really beneath her. Well, she, beneath her. she was like the one character who seemed like 
almost accidentally part of the Scooby gang, you know, like she just was like, I don't know. Yeah, like, he was a plant? Do you think he was a plant? Well, well, like she was like cheerleading one evening and then like also runs into them in the graveyard or something. Like it was almost like they were all going to meet up and she just sort of accidentally is there. And then she's always like, oh, why do I have to see you again? But it's like, but you're always seeing them. So it's either like, so this kind of like, I don't really want to be in this gang when I'm always accidentally well, there. I thought you said that Xander was the one that could be lifted out of the Scooby gang. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I was like, oh. no, Xander does not need to exist at all. Like, it is so <laughs> uninteresting that he is there ever. He's and, very irritating. Oh. He's so self-righteous. So self-righteous. <sighs> yeah, especially in this season. Yeah. Buffy comes back. He is just so self-righteous and so rude and you're like okay you know what like you're just a guy who decided to like deputize himself like while she was gone and like now you're all like high on that power of like killing demons with your bare hands or something and now you're gonna be like super judgmental because she needs to take a mental health break basically because she had to murder her like thousand year old boyfriend yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) sandra's like how dare you be sad that you had to murder your lover um, no. Basically, just another authoritarian personality. Exactly. We've seen you before. Big ego. Whatever. Jacob Bear. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. So then, what did you what did you both make of Angel? Yeah. <laughs> you were like, were you like, you could stay dead? No one cares. Was that your attitude, or like, what did, what what did you make of Angel? I don't know. I think he had like he had a function in Buffy's story that made him useful. I'm not. I don't really like the character, but I think this kind of you no know, booty older guy was a good love interest for her to uh, go through this whole drama that they set up. And I kind of have to say, I, I also like um, like. Angel going bad and becoming this really, really evil guy. But I'm glad he got his own show in Beth Buffy pretty soon. Um, but you know what I thought was an interesting sort of like, and this is jumping seasons, but I did always, it always like struck me that Spike could love Buffy without a soul, right? Like he was set up as a love interest irrespective of the soul like he sort of like i don't know if the word reformed is the right word but he just like was a demon who was a sociopath sometimes but like kind of loved buffy and i remember thinking about this and then thinking about season two like wow angel like really needs a soul and spike like doesn't need a soul yeah but that's why spike was much more of an interesting character i really started to dislike Spike when he became Buffy's love interest because that made him boring, but it was interesting before, you know, Angel would have been totally boring without Buffy. And Spike always was like that, right? Because he had this thing with Drusilla. Yeah. Who he loved. Yeah, I like that he was both, like, it's a complete ridiculous idiot and also kind of cool and he could be both things and then they changed it and, you know, we had to take him really seriously because he loved Buffy or whatever. That was terrible. No. It was a really weird season. Yeah, Kim, what were you going to say? Oh, I just, that she's probably the most complicated, I guess, of all of her 
love interests throughout the series because there's also like that I don't know that militia dude oh, like, oh, terrible awful. <laughs> and um and I think that he's also like really I kind of love that Spike is like very classically vampire you mm. could say like aesthetically you know <laughs> like his look his jagged there's a little bit anachronistic about him he very much um leans into being like being a vampire yeah. and actually like owning up to it in a way and embracing it as opposed to angel who i think they try to paint him as being a little more conflicted about it um or at least when we encounter him it's more conflicted about it i don't know who he was like thousands of years or whatever before that you know who he was he was murderous and yeah. He was Xander. <laughs> yeah, he was a regular vampire. He was just a regular vampire. <laughs> but I think Angel was a real asshole and human, whereas Spike was with, well, Spike was kind of an incel. Just... Wow, this show is full of incels and women. <laughs> I know, it's really like... ahead of its time. It is so ahead of its time. <laughs> How am I ever going to look at this show again? <laughs> the only non-incels are like, it's, it's like Angel and like, Maybe Giles, maybe. Giles? Giles? Giles was not an incel. Giles was like really into some cults, cult shit, you know, like, and, yeah. and, and like other things. Like, well, he was like into magic, right? Like, that's what yeah. comes and haunts him. Yeah, that book or whatever that like, he was really obsessed with. Um, am I, is my memory right that like Willow and Giles got, no, 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 Willow and that other. Watcher got married. I'm like, where are you going with this? <laughs> In real life, I think Willow and that other uh, Watcher got married. Oh, yeah, the actors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fa it was Faith's Watcher, was it not? Wesley, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, so, so then, So then, Willow. Oh, Willow. Oh, Wiccan Willow. <laughs> I mean, what do we make of the fact that she, ugh, again, the self-importance of Xander. We, you know, when Willow turned evil, she couldn't harness her powers or her powers overtook her or whatever it was with that, where that season was going. And the only person to stop her was Xander. But the other evil Willow, the vampire evil Willow, is awesome. What's not that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I almost forgot about that. Version. I know, I was like, whoa, yeah. Damn, Vatima. really scary. Yeah, it's true. So she was kind of like Willow, very like cutesy, but also very, very evil. Um, in terms of just kind of their, the way that they existed in high school and the transition to college, I mean, I I sort of thought that, I don't know, like the transition to college like kind of was a little bit awkward for me because even though like quote unquote realistically, I understand like this is the graduation episode, which means like they have to go to college or whatever. Um, but it is, it was also like that's when the whole like militia boyfriend happened. And it really did make me think that 
season three and season two and maybe even season one there was like so much more that could happen in the high school setting and like the college setting kind of brought on all of these like bizarre realism questions that I thought were like not as interesting Oh yeah, then it got worse when Buffy suddenly had this little sister. Oh my god! Oh yeah, that was like that made no sense. I was like, this is such a weird plot line. She's like, she was unlikable in a way that I think is like really, um, I don't know. Like she just was so irritating the entire time. She wasn't unlikable. She was just irritating, right? Yeah, it was just like, why was she there? Dawn, Dawn, that's her name. Don. Don, yeah. Yeah. Don was created out of light or something. She, I mean, it really <laughs> felt like very old school um, TV style, you know, where it's like, ratings are down, throw in a baby. <laughs> like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, because you're right. In high school, there was like a lot more potential. And then they, I don't know, it got more and more conventional over the next seasons. I mean, because I think... It actually, maybe there is something to be said about the fact that, like, if Buffy graduates and she does this professionally, like, would she work with a weapons contractor? Because, like, that's who she ended up dating. And, like, then the weapons contractor kind of ended up being a little bit evil. Um, or then a lot evil. But I was, like, really super evil, actually. <laughs> Not just, a, sorry, they're always evil. <laughs> But then it kind of felt like the storylines, like, they couldn't hold on to it because then the storyline wasn't really about the fact that, like, it was about the fact that, like, he wanted to sort of, he didn't feel good enough. And so, like, then it became about her, like, drama with this guy who used to be a military contract person. Do you remember this? No, what? So do you remember how, like, he, Riley... Um, yeah. like, starts visiting these, like, quote-unquote, like, vampire houses to, like, experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, like, yeah. that's part of the drama of, like, that season that, like, she's dating this guy who, like, even though she, like, loves him, doesn't, he doesn't feel good enough for her and is, like, doing, like, bullshit to, oh, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? Like, it, so it didn't feel like, it's, it felt like they were, like, touching on storylines and then just letting them go. You know, because, like, it was, like, all of the, for her character anyway, things seemed fairly unresolved. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they didn't know what to do with him. They wanted to give her a really normal boyfriend, but it didn't work. <laughs> Just a ex-military guy with rage issues involved in a super secret domestic terrorist organization, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. normal <laughs> As I say, yeah. Maybe, you know, like, oh, we didn't talk about the reboot, but maybe in the reboot they need to start in junior high or middle school. <laughs> so they give themselves more time to get well, to high do school. do you think, though, that, like, the, the specificity, like, the context of high school just, like, what do you think it afforded mm. versus, you know, once they graduated and, like, that setting was no longer part of it to, like, hold certain plots together like what do you think that was particularly special about being in high school to kind of further the character development a bit more well for one thing in high school you have all these characters that have to be together because they have absolutely no choice mm-hmm. but it was even, it was even totally unconvincing that willow wouldn't go to oxford or wherever but instead stay in sunnydale 
So I feel like that was just and this transition from not yet being one of those evil adults who are completely in denial about everything and just let the evil spread. So it's kind of this and the yeah, I think the the realization that the grown up world is full of demons and that you somehow learn how to handle it. That was what was kind of special about the high school setting. And then you graduated and you're like, the adult world is full of demons. <laughs> well, confirmed. <laughs> and then it becomes like the plot line has to be like about professionalization and like finding an apartment and like moving in together and these like weird surrogate motherhood exactly exactly which is like what because i i yeah um which then brings us to buffy's mom because i feel like we should touch on buffy's mom before this episode ends kim do you want to give us your buffy's mom take oh buffy's mom joyce you know she's (laughs) um just peak Wawa. I had completely suppressed the <laughs> the fact that she worked as a art art dealer or something. I I think that I thought that she was just a collector. Like I just did not want to think very carefully about what she did for a living because um, she basically just like collects a lot of quote unquote artifacts and demon masks and other other exotic objects you could say um but she's you know she's kind of just like a very typical white lady suburban mom um in the sense that she's also like really passive aggressive um really concerned about like propriety and you know when she finds out that buffy is a slayer you know, she's just like, Buffy, like, can't you basically just, like, go to school and, like, why do you have to do this? Can't we just tell the cops? Like, just tell the cops to do it, you know? And I think that she kind of, I, she's, like, basically non-supportive most of the time of the fact that her daughter's exceptional, you know? She might be, she might be what happens when the PETA grows up. Old PETA. Remember the episode where she dates this robot guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he's this really creepy guy, but also very, like, generic American husband. And Buffy's like, he's, he's, he's clearly a robot. <laughs> yeah. And Joyce is like, no, no. <laughs> Joyce is like, but I'm so into this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's terrible. But very typical choice, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that, like, the fact that she collects these quote-unquote demon masks from somewhere else is possibly, like, a really strange way to think about the race relations of this show, but also how, like, how, especially in high school, you are witnessing a girl grow up um, with almost, like, no kind of direction, right? Or, like, knowing that, like, you have to mm. constantly be hiding and that like you're not you're like I, I don't know like there's something about kind of um i mean she's totally a parentified child for sure mm-hmm. uh because she's like she's always having to like protect her mom or like 
the vampire is like kidnapping her mom or like doing something weird and then her mom is just like her mom is passing out all the time all the time constantly fainting yeah she like exists in the show to like pass out essentially and be like rescued by Buffy and then gaslight Buffy and then tell her to call the cops so it's a very like it's it I would actually say it it encapsulates a lot of um, troubled relationships that like teenagers have or like children have with their parents um and then yeah like and then she dies and then she dies so it's like and then and then she goes away and then this becomes like another thing in Buffy's life like you know oh there's the militia guy you guys yeah (laughs) the weapons person who works in the weapons industry or something (laughs) he's so boring (laughs) oh my god his hair it's so bad. It's also so 90s in a way that, like, I don't think I I haven't seen that hair in so long. I think it might be back. We're trying not to pay attention to it. but I think Did back. you know, Fatima, that the 90s are back? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you well, like... at least that means the 80s aren't back anymore, so that's good. <laughs> okay. Does that mean now's the time to do the Buffy class? Because the 90s are back. Um, so before we go... Um, we did see that there will probably be, or there was supposed to be a reboot of Buffy that maybe was supposed to air in August of 2020. Was that what you read? Oh, no. Oh, Not no. air in August. August 2020 was the most recent um, news item about oh. it, confirming that this was happening. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, the internet is unreliable <laughs> so we don't know for sure but there were a number of a number of uh links that we found that said um that a reboot was not only desired but was in the works mm-hmm. and that they um had plans to make the slayer um a black actress this time um and then there were interviews with spike and uh uh, Tara, who were just like, yeah, gotta diversify that cast. <laughs> the two palest characters. <laughs> True. Um, what do you what are you what are you all thinking about this reboot? Do you think? What do we think about reboots? In yeah, general as well? I don't know. I feel really. Um, I'm never a fan of the reboot, so it's hard. Yeah, same. And I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if that would work. To have, uh, I wonder how much the story would need to change if Buffy would be black. I mean, they c- couldn't just pluck a black actress in this whole dynamic because it's just so so white, right? Mm-hmm. Eh, yeah. No, I'm not. Pure, purist, Fatima. You want to leave it? Leave it as it is. Yeah, kind of. And, like, I think that there have been shows that are created by, like, black writers um, and producers that are really original and special. So I guess, like, that is something that we thought about when trying to watch the Roswell, the reboot of the Roswell. I mean, I only got through two episodes and then I stopped. Because it it doesn't I mean I, I want to support um, non-white actors like actors of color doing different things, but it was a really hard show to, for me to watch. 
So because it was really bad. <laughs> I mean, you can't. You know, we're we're willing to put up with quite a bit. You know, to to not see cats that are exclusively white people. You know, I feel like we've all watched a lot of shows. Where you're like, there's that one BIPOC character. I just watch this. Mistresses. Again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, no problem. Sure, okay. Um, what is that other one that had that Asian woman in it? Lipstick Jungle. You're like, this is horrible. Oh, I <laughs> definitely watched the entire season of Lipstick Jungle. I sure, read the I sure. read the book, too, actually. Oh wow, that's dedication. Yeah. I was very, I was bored, and um, it was I would say like the early two thousands. My Wi Fi was struggling, so that's my defense. <laughs> <laughs> like, were you at an airport? Like, <laughs> yeah, you were saying Kim. Um, but yeah, we just you know we watch a lot of things and we put up with a lot of things and. I just think that there's, you know, there's just so much content now that um, exists that I don't know if we have to tolerate something just simply because it has non-white characters in it when the writing is just so abysmal, which I think was the case with the Roswell reboot. And the original Roswell, you know, was questionable too, so. Right, right. I don't know. But um, yeah, I was trying to to think of a single reboot that we were in any way like excited about and I just can't even think of one. Fatima? Yeah, neither. Uh, I think the the writing on Buffy was really good, but yeah, there was this one this I think the only episode of Buffy that I only watched once. The Thanksgiving episode where they explicitly addressed race and it's just like so terrible. Yeah. Ugh, it was just disgusting. Yeah, I don't think that we wanna hear about race from any show from the 90s really. um with that being said what are some do you have last thoughts about buffy and also can you tell us what you're currently watching other than i mean you already said you're watching legends but like and perhaps why like what would you uh, recommend what 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 would you recommend well, it depends. I, I think I, I like Legends of Tomorrow. It's similar to Buffy in that it doesn't pretend to be. It's I think it's pretty well written and funny, but it doesn't pre- pretend to be quality TV. Mm. It's just good. Um, it's just a good escapist show. And it has um central female character who's also borderline angry psychopath. <laughs> Great, great. Listeners, take note. (laughs) And it's interesting because the first season was like white central character and sidekicks. And then they just totally changed the storyline and kicked him out. And a lot of the other characters out and brought in new characters. And they're a little bit over the top now. The characters change all the time. But it's the only like superhero show that I can think of that has a female Muslim character, for example. Yeah. Um, and there's also, do you watch this show, Black Lightning? I started watching uh, it. Because mm-hmm. that's like a superhero show where it's important that the superheroes are black mm. because they're, 
real person black life is like real people black life so that would be that's a show where that is actually part of the storyline that's very different from from Buffy so I prefer something like that even though it's not as well written at all to you know kind of blackface Buffy reboot where nothing has changed except that it's quote-unquote diverse yeah and I mean even more than usual right now I can't I can't watch any like really quality stuff it's too stressful is, is it because quality is in quote, quote quotations or like quality like quote unquote oh, <laughs> some of it is annoying but other shows are really good but I can't watch them because I don't know I'm already too stressed about everything so yeah I don't know I don't know if I don't know if I'm into prestige TV anymore you know like I feel like that time like HBO you can suck it <laughs> like no thanks. <laughs> Very serious. I think there's just too much. I don't know. I don't know if that kind of that kind of realism is um, what what I need right now during during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Pandemic and election season. So um, yeah, I watch mostly vlogs of girls testing out lipstick and yeah walking yeah. around when we were able to walk around um that's like that is that is where my mind is a at of, a lot of vlogs it's mostly <laughs> just vlogs here. yeah and um kim and i have been watching this new k-drama alice which Fatima, if you're interested it's about a mathematical genius woman who invents time travel she's korean by the way k-drama right like she invents, okay. she invents time travel and um, you see her at different stages of her life. She, the actress is 44, like, in she real life. She plays herself at all of the ages. At 15, like 20, at 20, 25, at <laughs> like 65, you know. She has a really good dermatologist, so she looks really good, apparently. But this show is pretty absurdist. It makes, like, no sense whatsoever. There's also this weird kind of like romance, Oedipal, like sexual tension thing between her, her son and the version of her from the past. Or it's like a like, parallel version of her from a parallel universe. It's like, yeah. It hasn't it's been some, clarified. There's some freakies going on. There. Yeah. It's like a big family reunion where nobody knows that the other person's their family member. And so you're just like, you know that bad things are going to happen. Um, that's what I've been watching. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, but I also wanted to say for this episode that I really like all of the tank tops that Buffy wears and the crop tops she wears to kick ass. That is one thing that I always looked forward to. I was like, this girl's always in a spaghetti strap, no bra, or like, like and she's just like flying all over the place. Do you know what I don't miss, though? What? Those pleather pants. Oh, yeah. Mm. Faith wore a lot of those pleather, yeah. and those plasticky pants, too. A lot of those. Faith was, like, so muscular in a way that I I always admired. Like, she just looks like she could, like, you know, she could really, like, run marathons. Like, I don't really know if she can, but she presented that way. Like, she had great posture. True. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, with that being said, I think we're coming to a close. So unless someone has a final thought about Buffy and the 90s and trash TV. No, that's too much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Fatima, for Fatima. joining us on this episode. We're so and excited. Thank you. Yeah, it was such a delight. Um, and we're really looking forward to perhaps if you would like to join us again. We will totally sometime. watch Legends if you will come back. Well, yeah, let me know once you watched it. Okay. All right. Thank you and bye everyone. Thanks everyone. Bye. Thank you.